1: Steelers, Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of Sports Strength Network. It's March 27th, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost and although the heat of free agency is waning, there are some important stories still unfolding, including one relating to the Steelers. In this episode, we'll talk about how the Steelers may seek to shore up its secondary through free agency, we'll talk about Mike Tomlin's obvious focus on quarterbacks in the upcoming draft, and we'll also talk about the impact of free agency and and what it's having on the NFL.
0: But first, we gotta tell you uh, about an important impact on your own life. And that's athletic greens. Look, tons of people take multivitamins. And it's important to choose one that is top quality. Guess what? With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you avoid that situation that, you know, sometimes our grandparents fall into where there's an actual pharmacy taking place on the counter. You don't need that. With athletic greens, one scoop you get seventy five high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods source superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every single day, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements and syringes and suppositories to look out for your health. It's just, it's just some powder that goes into your drink and then into your mouth and then into your belly. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use i remember when dad and i used to be riding around in the car when i was a little kid we were driving a these hell hellish indoor lacrosse games out in god knows where maryland and we'd be listening to sports talk and we'd be talking back to these bastards like you don't know the first thing about cordell stewart so why don't you shut up but they couldn't hear us Now they can with ColorCast. You could talk to fans, athletes, insiders, hosts, and podcasters in real time. Perfect for post-game breakdowns, maybe watch parties and debates. Share your own experiences on the app. Create a community. All you got to do is download that ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group.
1: So why don't we talk about at least what the top story has been for us. There's still some... Obviously, some obvious holes in the Steelers, but we're looking specifically to fill the one at safety. Strong safety. Yeah, the Steelers don't have a strong, a starting strong safety
0: on the roster. And so here's the thing. Dad, you tell me what you think. The Steelers fans have been obsessed with the idea of getting Tyron Matthew. This happens to every fan base every offseason. Tyron Matthew is still a good player, but he's not – prime Tyron Matthew anymore he the Chiefs have let him go that's their second best player on defense one of the most important leaders if not the most important leader on their team you know outside of Patrick Mahomes but Patrick Mahomes was the young guy in the building Tyron Matthew brought the fire to that team and they just let the guy go he hasn't had as big of an impact on games over the past year or so even though he's still a good player I'm not gonna say it's like Joe Hayden or James Harrison at the end but I say it's really heading in that direction of like this guy is still playable like he's definitely still a starter But you're not getting the superstar Tyron Matthew. So my thought on this has always been what you and I have said on the podcast. They need to sign Terrell Edmonds because you can get a guy for another six years of his prime or whatever. You get a guy in Terrell Edmonds who's played and bonded with Minka Fitzpatrick. That goes a long way. I can't think of many other positions that are more codependent than the safety position. And I, I don't mean like codependent, where they absolutely need each other. They can just—you can flourish more when your communication and your styles are uh, heavily understood. Ryan Clark made his whole career off that. First with Sean Taylor, then with Troy Polamalu, and he talks a lot about that—that that communication between the safeties. So, of course, Troy Edmonds is never going to be what Tyra Matthew was, the Honey Badger at his prime. But I prefer keeping the guy who's going to be around for a while. That being said. Terrell Edmonds, being the general Zer he is, took all the Steelers information off of his profile. Which, Dad, that's, that's crazy, right? We've said on this program before, when players take their team affiliations off of their social media, if anybody insinuates that's not a big deal, you're either willfully ignorant or, you know, you have a tumor. Because, of course, it means something. That's how they communicate now. Here's my thing. If they let you walk in free agency, like, that to me is a little soft. Like, just leave the Steelers' pictures up there and put your next team up there. The idea of him at home in his boxers, like, it takes a while to delete these things, Dad, to, like, archive them. You got to click on them one by one. You can't. There's not, like, a select all tool. You go, I'm going to delete this one. I'm going to delete this one. I'm going to delete this one. I guess I get it because you have to be crazy to play safety in the NFL, ready to throw yourself at people. So that aggression might take place in other areas. But it just seems a little soft to me to take all that uh, info off. Just move on and leave those pictures up. But if he's not going to be on the Steelers, then yes, I'm I'm all for a Tyron Matthew signing. How do you feel about it in general? The idea of signing guys like Tyron Matthew who have a huge name but are maybe past their prime, especially after you watch Julio Jones and J.J. Watt do nothing for their teams that they joined last year after big money deals.
1: Can I first address the point about him taking the Steelers off his social media? Please. Please. Is it a tactic that his agent puts him up to? I mean, sure. I, I know what we're saying, that the, the generation is to use social media, but is it a way to push the Steelers in some way? It, it doesn't – I don't know how effective that would be.
0: Right. To, to Kevin Colbert, he's like, you did you did what? Instagram? Well, yeah, it wouldn't be that effective, at least in Pittsburgh, maybe some other Face places. page. But no, I know what you mean, though. That is, that is definitely part of it because, like we said, it does mean something. When they make that move, so it is a, a, albeit a small move. Yeah, that's a move in negotiations.
1: So, Tyron, Matthew is third is going to be thirty. I think he yeah. was, he's older than I thought he was. Yeah, as a he, secondary
0: um, player, which is completely dependent on speed.
1: So, how how would you compare him to our experience with Joe Hayden?
0: Joe was younger when he joined the Steelers, right? How how old was Joe? Twenty seven, twenty maybe twenty eight or something. So he was still in pretty peak condition, but I would say it would be analogous because even the past few years where Joe's missed some games, Joe's still been a really good player for the Steelers. He's an incredibly the secondary has some of the smartest players in football, at least when it comes to the good the really good players because they have to see all areas of the field, especially guys like Hayden and Matthew. I mean Matthew is you know, He's had some injuries, but he's like a Hall of Fame talent type guy. He could match up with guys in the slot. He even played some corner in college. And then we know he's the honey badger. He has an unbelievable ability to take the ball away, just like Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden's incredible at taking the ball away. But their communication and their leadership are unbelievable, and especially Tyron Matthew. He is beloved by everybody he comes in contact with, and he's an alpha male. He would really be – Honestly, like, he'd be the most aggressive alpha male on the Steelers defense who already has a really solid leader in Cam Hayward, and then TJ's coming to his own there. It, it would be awesome to have him. I was only saying I didn't want him in relation to if I had to pick between Terrell Edmonds and him, but now if, if he's an option, the thought is this, like, can you win the Super Bowl with him within the next few years, or is it just, hey, we need a starting safety for the next couple of years, let's play Tyron Matthew. He would... Definitely help the defense. It may even be an upgrade over Terrell Edmonds, specifically from the the smarts, the intelligence, and the versatility standpoint.
1: Well, Terrell, we know who he is. We see he's going to he is who he is at this age. He's younger, to your point. Yeah. It, it's hard to get over the money. I mean, Matthew is like a fourteen million dollar year guy. I don't know if he could command that for a, for a one year deal, but Edmonds is two two point six million dollars right now, and presumably he would. I don't know, would he go to four or five if he gets re signed? Still markedly less than um Matthew.
0: Yeah, and that's insane because is Matthew four times better, five times better of a player. Obviously, Terrell is not gonna be making two million, he's gonna be making a lot more this year, too. And I wonder what that number is. And I would assume that's all he'd be paying attention to is it's gonna be just money, right? Because if he's looking for a great situation. He's not going to get much better situation than you are in Pittsburgh, where you have a premium safety playing next to you to cover for you. You have a premium edge rusher and some other good players along the defense. Like, I don't – I think that for for Terrell Edmonds, it's going to 100% be about highest bidder to an extent. So I guess we just wonder what that cost is. And maybe Troy Matthews' uh, price is going to get lowered as he goes on. But he's part of a large group of former All-Pros – who are or pro bowlers who are still available right now in free agency and generally that's because those guys they want to demand a big contract people don't want to pay them in that first wave of free agency because you're trying to get the James Daniels of the world right the younger guys Um, and then they can either wait out till there's a big injury or they can wait out till teams get desperate and they lose their starting strong safety like the Steelers might with Edmonds and so it's an interesting thing to monitor but of course, the idea of having a legend like that who, who still can play Trent right, Matthew, it, it's an attractive idea. I just would be bummed if they weren't able to re- retain uh, somebody who, who could be a, a cornerstone piece or an important cog, right, in Troll Edmonds for the duration of the, the – for the rest of the star's careers in terms of like TJ and
1: Minka. If you – and we have been making this point that the Steelers are trying to wedge open the window – for the Super Bowl, I would I would go with Matthew. I would just bear down for the one or two years we'd have him. Do you think that his um, leadership would have any impact? I mean, what's what's uh, Minka's reputation? He's more of like a quiet guy.
0: He's a quieter guy. And but if Joe Hayden leaves. I, I guarantee Minka and Matthew would get along incredibly because Minka talks about a lot of the veteran guys and how he lo- he's just a really easy guy to get around along with and universally ever since Nick Saban's scouting report on him coming out of college everybody knows this still in the NFL he's one of the smartest safeties so what he's going to learn from arguably the game's smartest safety in Tyron Matthew is going to be incredible and Matthew's going to love having a young star like that to help raise he's been a great mentor in Kansas City to people so uh, you know on the team so that will be an incredible pairing and I'm sure it would be invaluable for Um, Minka but once again just wish that we could keep the guy who's younger and could stick around because obviously the Steelers are not competing for a Super Bowl this year and you just wonder is the earliest year they can compete is it going to be 2023 we hope we hope it is it's 100% reliant on the quarterback like are they going to trade up for Malik this year can Malik be that guy are they going to say oh we didn't get Malik or Pickett or whatever any of these you know, questionable prospects compared to the QB prospects that have come out in the past years. and Oh, we didn't get one of them, so we'll just draft uh, Desmond Ritter at 20. I mean, the Steelers have shown, uh, you know, a second-round quarterback kind of guy, third, (laughs) maybe. You know, they've done that. They did that with Terrell Edmonds. They did that with Artie Burns. It scares me that that's going to be their strategy. But their Super Bowl window is 100% dependent on whether they get a quarterback or not. And uh, But I like that they're still going for it because – I don't think it's crazy to insinuate at all that they have no chance this year of winning the Super Bowl, but could be a contender as early as next year. And that's why they're still loading the cover. They're not tanking. They're like, we're going to make an awesome team, and hopefully Cam Hayward <laughs> doesn't retire.
1: And St. Peter's would never make the Elite Eight.
0: Yeah, St. Peter's is the Tom Brady, though. Yeah, they're, the Steelers are not going to the Super Bowl. Everybody just needs to go ahead and except that. We, That's not bad. We've talked they to, can have a great season. I think they're going to be exciting to watch.
1: Look, we, we, I'd be happy to, to retain Edmonds. I mean, he's hes just been proven a solid guy. You can't have an A-plus player at every position and, you know, if you've got to allocate money, he's good enough, I would say, where he is. But by the same token, if you get Matt Thow, i I think you could replace him in a couple of years. I don't think he's going to be as hard to replace a guy at Terrell's level. That's all.
0: I I agree because you could also have Matthew for two years and then, okay, we got to draft another guy now. Like, I get it. The bottom line is they need a starting strong safety because they literally do not have one on the roster. It's not like they can roll with, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, uh, like a Dan Moore. Like, oh, my gosh, we're going to start a fourth-round rookie or a Zach Banner. We're going to pay a guy who's never proven anything. But, like, we've seen – we like him – we're going to make him the starter. Like, they don't even have one of those guys on the roster. And the defense is too good otherwise. And the Steelers have the philosophy of, like, we are going in as hard as we can every year on a reasonable basis. So should be interesting to watch. A couple really low-level Twitter accounts that nobody knows have reported that the Steelers are going to sign them today. We're taping on Sunday. And then other reports will come out from people nobody knows <laughs> saying, oh, the Raiders have swooped in and they've offered more. And, well, I'd, that wouldn't surprise me, actually, but. Uh, we have no idea what's truly going on. It's interesting to keep an eye on Tara Matthew, the honey badger, uh, for the next week or two here. Who knows when he's going to sign. And Other than that, I don't think that there's very big uh, free agency f- news for the Steelers unless they, they find some veteran slot receiver to come in there. They've got a couple big holes right now going into the draft in terms of no starting safety and no starting uh, slot receiver. But. What do you mean? Oh, where did the nickname come from? So he went to LSU, which is DBU, basically. Defensive backs. Like, Patrick Peterson went there. He went there. There's a bunch of superstar defensive backs who came from that school. And he had one of the best college seasons in the history of any player. I don't know what the turnover numbers were, but he just constantly takes the ball away. And there's some sort of Louisiana – viral video or something where say like like a honey badger taking the ball away and stuff like that i don't remember exactly where but like honey badgers they're really aggressive and small he's tiny i actually who was i with i was talking to somebody this week i think it might have been at like a store i was at and i was talking to her she was at lsu while he was there and she had a class with him and she said he's tiny he's jacked he's so muscular but it's so surprising how short he is and obviously he's one of the fastest. You know, now he's he's older, but he's one of the fastest players, one of the best players, and unbelievable at taking the ball away. And when he was at LSU, it was like a force fumble and a pick every game, and returning kicks and punts. And so they gave him the the honey badger nickname as a result of those things.
1: Which he, is awesome. I'm looking at his, his sophomore year. He had. And
0: then he got suspended for S- marijuana or something ridiculously dumb for that. Huh. So he gets this reputation. It's like he didn't he didn't do anything.
1: Two interceptions and five fumble recoveries
0: in 10 games what did he do his freshman year
1: uh fresh freshman year he had two interceptions three fumble recoveries
0: yeah i guess the stats don't make it sound like yeah but that's but he's probably the best defensive player in college football i mean he's playing in the sec yeah, exactly, gotcha. and, and, and back when they were just running the ball, especially, too, and I think he had some kick return stats as well, part return stats, and he, he's on a list of, like, the three to five defensive players over the last couple of decades, like, oh, that, that was the best one. It was like a social movement, but the Steelers aren't so worried about defensive backs right now as they're worried about quarterbacks because apparently Mike Tomlin has had dinner with every single quarterback in the country. Over the past few weeks. No, I think he – so the Steelers brass, they've been at every pro day for the big quarterbacks, right? Obviously Malik, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, and then Matt Crowell, thankfully, out of all Miss. I wasn't sure if they were going to be there or not. And Mike Tomlin has taken all of those guys out individually, seemingly for chicken wings every time. So first question, Dad, if you're going out – on, like how do you like to move if you're the the QB? And Tomlin pulls up eating chicken wings because Malik Willis loved it. He's like, he's a normal dude. He ate chicken wings. The reporters asked him, well, were you too nervous to have chicken wings? He said, no, nah, he was having chicken wings. I love them. I had some chicken wings too. I can't think of a better night than, like, you get to eat chicken wings with Mike Tomlin, and he also might be paying you
1: millions of dollars in, like, a couple weeks. It's kind of irresistible, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It's already got
1: to be in, in, in what is probably – the most intimidating thing you faced in your young life, yeah. you know, the you're going to go to the you're going to the NFL and you're talking to a storied coach like Mike Tomlin and he turns out to be a human being like every other Joe, right? But you know, he has a lot he has a lot to say about your future.
0: Okay, so people are talking about this dynamic. Okay, Tomlin went to dinner with all the QBs. They were at all their pros days. Does this mean anything? I don't. It's weird to I me mean, that people are even discussing this, but maybe they're just tuning in this year. Of course, it means something. We know the Steelers. You can predict who they're going to draft on a year-to-year basis. It's not just Najee Harris, based on for the first round which pro days they're at. They ha- they have never drafted anyone in the first round where the brass wasn't at their pro day, okay? And they went. They skipped Penn State's pro day and Ohio State's pro day. Two programs of uh, the blue blood programs that they draft people from all the time. Like, every year they get a Penn State or Ohio State guy. They skip them to be at Liberty and Ole Miss. Liberty doesn't have any other pro players on the roster. And so, does it mean something that he's out there and he's taking these guys to dinner every night? Yes, it means everything. And so, Mark Kabali, great Steelers reporter, has tweeted out a few times, basically telling everyone to calm down. And I I take his point, but I don't think he expressed it well, unless I'm wrong. Basically, he's saying... Just because Tomlin has dinner with the guys, he does this a lot. Like he had dinner with like Micah Parsons or, or these other superstar players who they were never going to be in range with. Just because he's having dinner with them doesn't mean that he's going to draft them for sure. And maybe Kabali wasn't expressing himself well. Maybe he's sort of passive-aggressively responding to a few annoying comments he got. I'm just totally guessing that. But to insinuate – like the real answer is somewhere in the middle – i get it like oh if they had a dinner with the quarterback doesn't mean they're drafting him guaranteed because duh he had dinner with multiple and you can't get multiple of them but it definitely means something when he that means they're in the running number one and then number two when you skip two of the biggest pro days of the off season to go see the quarterbacks it shows you that they're taking one and that's my only worry is that if they don't get Really, um, uh, I think we're going to do the quarterback episode next week, by the way, with David. I was talking about that. I finally watched Matt Corral this week. I watched more of um, uh, Malik Willis, and they, to me, seem like maybe the only quarterbacks truly worth drafting at this point where I'm at, although I could see the appeal of drafting and Kenny Pickett and be like, maybe we'll give him like a Jared Goff type deal where it's like he's, he's going to be like the 20th best quarterback in the league. I mean, hopefully he'd be better than Jared Goff who was closer to 30, but... We're going to have this guy for his first contract, and then we're going to get rid of him. And, I, and now I'm realizing how bad of an analogy that was in terms of, like, well, they actually signed him, and then they traded picks away to get Jergoff away from there. But maybe they are thinking we'll have such an awesome team, and if we have an average quarterback like Kenny Pickett, we'll win the Super Bowl, and he doesn't have to be a 20-year guy. I, I could see that. It would be uninspiring with the way the AFC looks like right now. But in regards to these quarterbacks, I'm scared that they're going to already burns it. Like, if they don't get Malik or Corral... They're just going to be like, oh, well, I guess Ritter's the guy at 20. We're taking him. And that would really scare me because that's what they did with Artie Burns. They were desperate. They gave you a ton of press conferences on what they wanted. They said, we need a corner. We need a corner. Art Rooney said, we need a corner. Just like this year, Art Rooney says, we need a mobile quarterback. What these guys are. We don't need one who's going to necessarily run for 200 yards a game, but he needs to be able to escape the rush. Pretty much all these quarterbacks can do that, so that doesn't really whittle it down. But they're telling you every offseason who they need. And I'm very scared that if they don't get one of the main guys, they're just going to take the scraps that are left at 20. And that's extremely dangerous to me. And they've shown a propensity to do it in the past.
1: No argument, but going back to your conversation about who he has dinner with and the meaning of those, you know, you have limited time for these, these interactions like dinner right. when you, you're going around. So, It's interesting how they allocate them. It's like, and you pointed out he had dinner with uh, Michael Parsons, right?
0: I don't know. I just threw
1: out a name. Okay. So some of these, there's no way the Steelers are going to be in range for for some of them. So I wonder if there's some ulterior motive or, hey, I'm just interested in meeting this guy. Is there a possibility that the Steelers trade down or.
0: So – but that's a great question. Yeah, they will not trade down. I don't think they've traded out of the first round in 50 years or something like that. Or even – I don't think they've ever traded out of the first round. But the last time they traded down I think was maybe in the 80s at the earliest. I was looking it up the other day because some uh, – we had some other people asking on Twitter about it. But uh, the point Caballi making is true. He just went too far. Like, like they do have dinner with people just to get intel on them. Or they do have dinner with quarterbacks or scout quarterbacks or go to their pro days – so that they can sort of be ready to play against them or be ready to pick them up like a Minka Fitzpatrick if they ever become available later. All teams do that. They're gonna research people that they're not gonna be able to obtain because they need to do research on them. But like you said, you only have so much time to allocate so that, you know, this does actually mean something. And and time is of the essence. You have to prioritize your time. Like, for instance, on a daily basis, you can't be taking forty-five minutes to take seventy-five minutes different vitamins you know it'd be better if there was just one scoop that you could put into your drink and consume and guess what there is athletic greens tons of people take a billion different vitamins they'd be they'll be out there you know lighting little leaves on fire and breathing in the inhalation smokes right that doesn't do anything okay athletic greens does It's got a special blend of ingredients to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, focus, and aging, and recovery. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. Contains less than one gram of sugar, crucial. No GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than three bucks per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink again. That's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. ColorCast, he tries again, is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. Talk to me, fans, athletes, and insiders and podcasters in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Be sad about Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. Those dirty, moralist heathens in Cleveland. All you got to do is download our ColorCast app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Adaptogens. Immoral. Damn it! Did I say immortal?
1: You said Moralis.
0: I said Moralis. Moral. I think Miles it was like Moralis. Moralis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, let's talk about the Browns, okay? Because I know we want to get into the larger topic of free agency where you have some visceral reaction to what's going on. But Baker Mayfield's story is really interesting. And the fact that the Browns signaled so loudly we're moving on. And I don't know. And Baker, did Baker take the Browns? Insignia is off of his uh, social media yet?
0: That's a good question. We should check that, but that would require me looking at anything Baker Mayfield produces. Although you do have to admit, the the, the commercials are so stupid. Like You should not be doing those when you haven't done anything. It's a classic move. Chris Sims has talked about this a lot. Like In NFL locker rooms, you should not do commercials before you're a star because people will kill you for it. And I think that that's part of his downfall right there. But he is pretty good on the commercials. You, you, You do have to admit, he's pretty good on those. So... What could have been with Baker Mayfield? Great arm. He's always come across to me as really arrogant ever since OU. And I think people thought it was lazy to make the Johnny Manziel connection. It's like, okay, these short white guys who have this extreme bravado that we're not used to seeing. They're kind of coming in a different shape and size. Now, Manziel was off his rocker, and he, he had issues. And it seems like he's rehabilitating pretty well. He's admitted some that, a lot of stuff was his fault, which I think is is massive, and I gotta applaud that, because some people would just deny it to the end of time, you know? And he had substance, you know, he was, a, he was boozing too hard, and I, I don't know about drugs or anything like that. I want to say that might have had something to do with it, but I don't want to misspeak, but I guess what I'm trying to say is Manziel was a, a bigger tornado than Baker, but I always, they have something at the, they have similarities. They are. Like, overly aggressive, overly arrogant. Like, you gotta calm down a little bit, boys. And I think that's the reason why Baker is out of Cleveland is because when I hear him talk on a podcast or a commercial or this or that, the post-game interviews are brutal. It's just he's always trying so hard to be this, like, Captain America quarterback, like, hard-ass, because that's what people loved about him in the draft process. But I think, like, you you do need to earn that first. And he had a spectacular rookie season. Like, everything was going according to plan. But you haven't really earned enough to be a dickhead in like, bristly in interviews yet. So it really rubs me the wrong way, and it strikes me as try-hard. And I think it strikes everyone else the other way. And apparently behind the scenes in Cleveland, it seems like he was resisting the offensive system. He even made comments in the postgame. You and I talked about it before the Steelers played the Browns one of the times. Like, wow, he's calling out the play calling in postgame conferences. You are not Aaron Rodgers. Like, even Aaron Rodgers wouldn't do that. Or Ben, like, and you're nowhere close to them. So... I think it just became a total headache dealing with him. And then when you have an opportunity to get someone like Deshaun Watson, you know, it's so crazy talking about this with all the cases. I guess two grand juries haven't indicted him on the on whatever, but still got civil cases going on, 22 women. That's an insanely high number. But morality, if we're putting that to the side, which I don't think you should always put to the side. It, it weirds me out when I watch shows and they don't mention anything about it. I feel like with Deshaun Watson – it's hard to explain. Just it's hard to hard to talk about him without mentioning that. But I guess when you have the opportunity to get that guy, it's like this is like an MVP first ballot Hall of Famer quarterback who's 25 or something ridiculous. Trade the farm for him. It pissed Baker off. Okay, that's totally legit. Um, and then they said they're not going to trade him because they thought they weren't going to get Deshaun. And then all of a sudden Deshaun reverses course and they are getting him. So who knows what the heck's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? It's basically come down to it's either going to be the Seahawks taking him or the lions if they want to deal with Jared Goff's contract as well. So if the lions want to offload Jared Goff's contract and have him Mike Florio has made the point that Baker Mayfield and his you say terseness? What is that? Like a little like a little angry squirrel. Like what is it? Like what about a squirrel that's angry and like threatened? that would fit well with the knee-biting culture of Detroit. But I don't know. It's it's weird. It almost seems like they're moving on too fast. But like I said before, to have the opportunity to get someone like Deshaun Watson at that age and that talent level who's literally as good as Josh Allen and, and Baker Mayfield or has – or not Baker. And um, uh, Patrick Mahomes, like at least he was when he was last playing, uh, that's an impossible situation to pass up. So you almost got to commend them if you took the, the legal stuff out of it on um, – you know, pouncing on it and upgrading. But what do you think about them cutting bait with with Baker at this point? Given the fact that it seems like he's been pretty difficult to work with behind the scenes.
1: I wouldn't keep both of those quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, because it seems like Baker will no. start somewhere.
0: Where? Like only Seattle and uh, and and maybe Detroit would have even open spots to start like today. Uh, but yeah,
1: today. So. Do you think he will start somewhere in the NFL eventually?
0: Yeah, he'll start some more games, but I don't know if he's going to be a long-term starter. I think that boat is sailing more by the minute. He needs to humble himself. What's interesting is in this is awesome because I, I think that even Florio and Sims hypothesized something about Carson Wentz that was basically uh, confirmed by Chris Ballard, the general manager of the GM who spoke on Pat McAfee's show the other day. But they said with Carson Wentz, he in Philadelphia got kind of ran out and, no, and everybody was happy to see him gone, including teammates, because he just – he wasn't good in the locker room. He just thought he was above people, and which is weird. He's supposed to be this, like, God and country, at-home country boy. But apparently, you know, he just doesn't know how to relate to people, which we should be able to tell based on his suit decision for the Washington press conference. But he got ran out of there. But then he goes to Peterson, his former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. So you went to another place where it's like, I'm not the problem. They were the problem. I'm still, like, I'm still with my family here or whatever. And then even Chris Ballard admitted like it didn't work there and maybe going to an actual fresh start will be the best thing for him. And Florio and and McAfee and those guys have insinuated he might – he needs to be humbled because he probably went to – Peterson's like this is the guy that I was the MVP with. This guy loves me. He's got my back he needs to be humble. Baker Mayfield needs to be humbled because his talent is actually really good. When people insinuated that the Steelers might pick him up if he gets cut by the Browns, which I think is what's eventually going to happen. He's going to get a six-round pick or he's going to be cut, right? They were like, why would the Steelers ever pick him up? And I, I don't know what you think, Dad, but I was laughing like, I mean, I know he's a douche and he's a Brown, but he's significantly better than Mitch Trubisky. So, like, if you weren't already paying all this money to all your quarterbacks, if you can figure that out, like, I don't like Baker Mayfield as a person, but I don't think that he's actually like a douche to his core. I think that he would need someone like Mike Tomlin and and the Pittsburgh Steelers and, you know, those guys uh, in established culture. I think that they could actually humble him a little bit. His arm is – he's a much better thrower than Mitch Trubisky and around equal as a scrambler. Like, I would rather have Baker Mayfield than Mitch Trubisky as your bridge quarterback. So I I always – laughed at the fact that people thought that that was insane. I'm like, he's better than the guys we have. What do you think about Baker Mayfield?
1: I've been reading about, about this all week and thinking about his numbers and saw the the innuendo that he could potentially be coming to Pittsburgh, trying to figure out what they would do. I mean, Baker's um, Not Baker. If, if we pick up Baker, Rudolph, um, Rudolph is gone, right? I mean, they're going to start shaving off some money. They don't need three quarterbacks who— could yeah. potentially be starting. The
0: irony is I would I would release Haskins if it were me because like if, if I need a backup quarterback in emergency, I, I think Haskins True. sucks personally. Like the guy can't throw the ball down. He can't, he can't do anything. He's literally not good at anything. At least Rudolph sometimes will throw the ball down the field. So if I needed someone to come in, I'd be like, well, I'd prefer the backup quarterback from the past few years. But, yeah, they would probably release Rudolph or whatever it is. And
1: I, just I mean, either way, you're not saving like, a ton of money. It's
0: not happening, I don't think, no matter what. But what because do you the think Steelers about, have made their decision? Yeah, they're, they're just with, moving forward. They, they don't want to supplant Trubisky and, and do some sort yeah. of... Because what is the big difference? Like, They're both struggling. The only difference is Baker Mayfield has had six-plus game stretches of being really good where Mitch Trubisky hasn't had a two-game stretch of being good in his career. But at the same time, you're picking between cast-offs. So I understand them when you be like, we brought Mitch in and this is what we're going to do and we're the Steelers and blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, I think the Steelers have a propensity to flex their egos, and this would be, you know, they, they wouldn't want to admit they didn't see this coming or that they, they're going to, no. Trubisky was a was a good find. We're sticking with him. Yeah. That's what I think that will happen.
0: I think so. Even if, it's if, not like even if Baker
1: gets cut, because right. it's still $14 million. I mean, it's they're going to pay the guy $14 million, whether he's on the team or he's not, and maybe May- they'll just make the decision. No, I'm sorry, I'm back to Baker Mayfield. I, okay. I'm not positive he's going to be let go.
0: Yeah, but if he is, then you you pay him. How does that work? You pay him whatever you want, right? Whatever you negotiate.
1: It depends on how the deal goes, right? If they they cut him out, right? They've got to give him fourteen million. You know, he's got he's dead money. He's dead cap right. space on the roster. If they trade him, right. you know, they, they could potentially have to give away trade <laughs> trade picks to get rid of him and offload right. his salary, or they just give them away and. You know we still pay him 14 million but he's off of our payroll on one year
0: right i don't think that they'll do the trade that's an awesome point on sometimes teams trade away the quarterback and they'll have to like give a pick away to to entice somebody to take their salary that's jared goff that's what the rams did they gave they what did they do three first round picks for stafford or something it was like two picks for stafford and one pick to take the Goff money <laughs> brock osweiler out of houston was a similar thing where where cleveland actually took him so they're familiar with that process but baker's not making so much money right now that that would be a big deal because goff and osweiler were coming off of big money deals but yeah that should be interesting i just didn't think it was that absurd that baker was suggested and if baker had been available before mitch i think that the steelers would have taken baker he has a better arm much better arm he's a much better thrower um and I would think that Mike Tomlin could humble the guy, like seriously, because I think they also wouldn't have any problem with being like, yeah, you're out of here, dude. We don't care. And so I, I don't think that that would be insane. And and I'd actually be more excited for the season if Baker Mayfield were the were the Steelers' quarterback. And and I am looking forward to see what, you know, they can do, uh, this year. But having a guy who's actually shown the propensity to be able to make great throws and evade pressure and uh, that would be much more exciting to me. Even though
1: it's well, Brown, he says, "I still love his commercials. I think he does a really good job." He's good. Let, let's he is good. let's use this as a segue to a to something you're concerned about, and, and it's all these moves that are being made in the NFL and the ability for players to move quickly and with alacrity.
0: Yeah, nice. It's turned. I think I've been saying for years. I'm scared that the NFL is going to turn into the NBA, where when the first thing goes wrong with a player, like James Harden. He gets, he asks for a trade constantly. The second any adversity hits, they ask for a trade, and I feel like whenever you say that opinion into a microphone, people want to accuse you of being old man yelling at cloud. But once again, there's gray area, people. It doesn't have to be one hundred percent to one end or the other. I want players to have more power. I've we've been on record of saying Le'Veon Bell like that. That situation should really open people's eyes to it. He got screwed when they were franchise tagging him repeatedly. That sucks, he had no other option. They literally trapped him based on the agreement of the CBA, which Le'Veon doesn't make, you don't have a choice. It's like, oh, I guess you can just not play in the NFL. It's not his fault that they have a bad bargain, right? But that was unfair. Like You even saw Le'Veon's career dried up in the next few years. That was his one chance to get a ton of money. And the Steelers used what tools were available to them, franchise tag, Le'Veon used tools available to him, the ability to sit out and it was what it was it was just business but that was so unfair and that's what you want to avoid like that shouldn't be happening in the NFL where we can literally trap guys or when they're trapped into these four-year rookie deals and it's a Jamar Chase where it's like I'm the best receiver in the NFL after my rookie year I should be able to in any other industry in the world you can choose where you want to go at that point like I should be paid more but in the NFL's like well no you don't you don't get paid more so those things are messed up to me right But there's a difference between that and having no grit whatsoever and just transfer portaling all over the place. And I think that that depresses me about like none of this stuff matters like football in some ways, right? And in some ways, it it actually is quite profound. Like you and me and other Steelers fans, like we get it. We have talks all week long about the Steelers and it's like a relationship between a father and a son. Like we talk about real life too, but you're not going to sit there and have heavy conversations all the time. It's amazing. To have this conversation starter for every day of your life like football can be profound it's motivated me from playing football and then watching pro uh watching football in terms of like not giving up on things when they get really hard in terms of like uh randomness derailing you whether it's injuries and in football or bad fumbles or this or that bad luck will happen and in football, the mindset of more than any other sport is like you press forward. You, you keep going and you can make through it and your team can win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as the quarterback or with Tom Brady as the quarterback after you lose your Pro Bowl or Drew Bledsoe and nobody thinks there's a chance. Like, so football is important in those ways. But in, in other ways, when people get mad about fans saying we when they're talking about the team, like, okay, now you're being a little weird. like you th- you're, you're not making battle plans, bro. You're in your room writing about a football team that you don't play for. So you're doing the same thing that you're accusing the we people of doing. It's all for fun. As Big Cat said on prof- on on um uh, part of my take this week, he's like, it's cool to care about stuff. Like the guys who are trying to say like, oh, I don't care about anything. Like that's lame. That's why like if your team loses, you get sad. So if that happens, that doesn't make any sense. So if you're gonna tell me you're not allowed to call the team we we don't do that often sometimes I do it but if you're not allowed to call them we then you can't get sad at all or upset in any way in any modicum of frustration if the Steelers make a move that you don't like or if the Steelers lose a game because you're not on the team why would it affect you it doesn't affect your your paycheck it doesn't affect anything so you can't have any emotion about it at all if you don't want people to call it I hate that conflicting rule it doesn't make any sense so you are not allowed to get angry or or happy or anything. You stay completely serious in your all-important government-funded job of writing about and tweeting about football with nobody around you, no emotion, all right, unless you want to do the we thing because by your standards, it's not logical. None of this is logical, dum-dum. It's okay to just feed into it because it's about community. So taking it so seriously is we. It's not stolen valor. Okay, that's what they people are asking. Like, oh, you're not a part of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they try to make this this other argument of like, oh, it doesn't matter if you've invested money in that. Shut up, shut up, Mister Self Serious. You don't realize you are making fun of yourself, sir. Okay, weirdo writing about football. It's embarrassing. So, anyways, let me bring it back to the free agency thing. It sucks because the NFL is the grittiest, like it, it's the it's the manliest, grittiest of the sports, and people do have to like you do get guys like Levante David in Tampa Bay who slave away for years and eventually hit pay dirt when Tom Brady gets there and his his team's awesome and he stood there with his team forever. Joe Thomas with the Browns, and I'm not saying they have to stay there absolutely forever or whatever because I like how Matt Stafford. You know, he gave them over ten years. That's a full career in Detroit. At that point, like you should be able to move on. There's even part of me, man, where if like, if the Steelers had collapsed this year and and Cam Hayward wanted to join the Chiefs, there there would be part of me that would be like, that's cool. You like, you gave us ten years. Like we got we got a full career. But Tyreek Hill leaving the Chiefs in the middle of their prime, when he and uh, Mahomes are arguably the best receiver tandem ever. You know, or like they're up there in that in that upper echelon with Rice and the 49ers guys and Stafford and you know uh, Megatron A B and Ben and all those guys, but but Hill and, and Mahomes to a different level. Like they've revolutionized football. And to leave just to go back to Florida to pay less taxes, make more money, I get it. But you were never going to struggle for money as a Tyree kill. You are going to be astronomically rich no matter what. So to break that up, it's such a bummer to me. And and even Deshaun Watson, I also understand him leaving Houston. They have some deep-seated racial problems in that organization as well, there's a reason why none of their former players come back and all of their former legends talk badly about the franchise. They they got a random preacher who's not really a preacher running the team. I understand needing to get out of that situation. I'm not saying that that people need to sit there and stew and things, but the Tyree Kill one is the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for me because even with Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay, I also get that because – Aaron might retire every year. We're at that stage of Aaron's career. And so you could get stuck in a terrible franchise like Green Bay that does nothing to win if they don't have a top five quarterback of all time at all times. Like you're trying to continue your career and you're going to go to Oakland or Las Vegas and play with your college quarterback. I get that. So all of that is to say, I'm just, uh, I'm intrigued with all the movement in the NFL. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope it's more like the things of Stafford where like, there's a player on a team where we're not even going to get to see this guy play. He, he's in purgatory in Detroit. Let's get him somewhere where we get to watch him, and it makes it fun. But when we start losing people like, oh, the second AB isn't getting 170 billion targets per year. He's going to leave. That kind of stuff's lame to me. What do you think about all this super movement in the NFL?
1: Woo. I have some points here, but I have to, I have to coalesce them in a way that makes sense. The first thing I'd go back to is, your point about football being fun and it's a it's a campfire for us to gather on and it's good to be attached to a team. What does it hurt? I'm, yeah. I'm always one to say these, care, these players don't care about us. Certainly a millionth as much as we care about them individually. <clears throat> but I think fans do make a difference. I think to a man, if you're on the Steelers, especially the new guys coming in, are so impressed with Steeler Nation and our attachment to the team. And I think that is a little bit of 12th man. The one thing you do not want is to go to an opposing team stadium and get spit on. That's when I think things are crazy. You know, that's carrying a little bit too much. That's psychotic. So moving on to free agency and and what it's doing to football. You know, other than becoming an adult and not having the time to do it, college basketball lost me when when we got to, even before the one and done sort of came on the scene. College basketball lost me when I couldn't remember names because they were there for two years and they moved on. Yeah. Football is nowhere near that. Now, we could call the CBA yeah. fair or unfair. It was negotiated. But, you know, it's never going to be fair when one side has all the money. Even the <laughs> right. talent can be replaced easily, not the money, because the owners have up, have locked up. You know, they're not going to let in other owners who aren't of a like mind. So let's face it. The the contract is definitely slanted towards towards the owners. And the players only have so much leverage there unless they want to sit out. And it's been proven that they can only sit out for so long. Players can't, I mean, I think we're looking at some high profile moves. <clears throat> when you think about it, a player in his rookie contract is, is stuck for four years, unless he's traded or sits out. And even then, he's still stuck for the four years of his contract, five if he's a first round draft pick. After that, the only guys who have any kind of leverage are guys who get that second round contract, that second contract, and they're in the upper echelon. Most guys roll over to another, you know, yeah. work-a-day contract. So you are looking at name players who are moving, and it's probably not as many as we think. It's probably the same number of people every year. Like the AB leaving and, and Tyreek Hill, I, I don't know how prevalent that is. I just think that's a very bright, shining star. And it maybe I looks think like this guys are a little are different. On.
0: I mean, you, you lost... Devonte and Tyreek in the same offseason, multiple Hall of Fame quarterbacks changing in the same offseason. I, I think that it started with A.B. and Le'Veon a little bit, and then Tom Brady was the big domino, which did Matt Stafford, and now we had Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Like, that's insane. We haven't had anything like that, even close to that.
1: Before. I think that, yeah, I just think it's, it's kind of uh, two standard deviations out, though, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of this perfect yeah. timing. I mean, like you were saying, Brady did his time. Stafford did his time. Ben did his time. All these yeah. all this turnover seems to somewhat coincidental. I don't see it ever turning into the NBA given the way the things Russell are structured. Russell
0: Wilson's the one that that strikes me a little bit as the weird one. But even that I understand because they suck. The Seattle organization like they haven't hit on a first round pick in like 8 years. They constantly want to play do, do this defense and run game thing and they don't want to evolve and they have more problems than people realize. And, hey, he, he did my rule, right? He did 10 years, two Super Bowl appearances, one win. So even that, maybe I could argue for, like, well, it does make sense because just the trajectory they were on, we were going to sort of lose Russell Wilson's like best career. Like, he's going to be sort of floundering on this other team. But that one did seem a little bit more like, oh, okay, like he was inspired by Brady and Stafford and stuff like that. But, but you're right. it it's hey. It's insane, but not astronomical i guess
1: so this is the example of the kind of talk we do here at sports drink network which
0: you know we are so thankful to have sports drink network host our podcast sports drink brings you every episode of our podcast and that is sports drink your digital water cooler baby it's a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports they're here to help us grow and they say they're here to hate your favorite team i i don't think that applies to anybody who's listening to this podcast obviously they would, <laughs> who doesn't love the Steelers, the real america's team and if by the america's team i mean the world's team rising tide lifts all boats so go check them out online or on social if you go to at sports drink at that's just sports drink without the vowels at s-p-r-t-s-d-r-n-k you can uh take a look at all the good things they're doing they got podcasts for not every single team but for a lot of the teams so if you want to hear about uh, Steelers' opponents, if you want to learn more about other teams, you got friends who are fans of other teams for some reason. You know, direct them over there. So we're thankful to always have them as a sponsor for our podcast.
1: So a couple of interesting things in development, and one would be a welcome rule change for yours truly. That the um, owners are looking at the overtime rules. Two options have been suggested, and that the owners will vote on at the end of April meeting. The first one is that. Each team, there was a mandatory possession for each team before sudden death is invoked, and I'm totally in, in favor of that. The second option is that there's mandatory possession for each team unless the team that had the first possession scores a touchdown and converts a successful two-point conversion. Right. I hate that because it's, it's complicated. The same thing as now. It's still st- still the same thing. Well, um,
0: it's basically the but same it's requiring thing. them it's to like- go. Yeah, they add the two point, but it's still like Josh Allen wouldn't have gotten the ball. This is all because of Josh Allen not getting the ball in that playoff game. It's like he still, Mahomes would have got the two. Allen wouldn't have got the ball. And nobody would have been like, well, actually, it's okay because he got the touchdown and the two point conversion because we'd all be saying, like, well, so would Allen. So I don't think that that rule is really a change at all, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, yes. And there are a couple of inter- interesting statistics associated with. Teams winning the coin toss for overtime have won 50% of the time since 2010, which is kind of interesting. And, uh, but, the, but the real imbalance comes in the playoffs. And since 2010, seven of the 12 playoff overtime games have been won on the opening possession. Wow. And 10 of those 12 are won by the team that won the coin toss. So there's a prevalence of uh, the, the first team to get the ball winning in uh, playoff games.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, no, it just makes makes sense to give them both the possession, right? Yeah, so
1: as I mentioned, the owners' meeting will take place April 28th through the 30th. Free agency ends on April 22nd. The bouncing ball should stop at that point. And most importantly, for those of you women wishing to join the Raiderettes, tryouts are April 16th. So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Tune in next week for our quarterback podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.